this is what I want to share with you this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready, church? I am excited for what God is going to do this morning. The reason is, we had some plans. Let me back it up. We had some plans of celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary. And all the plans were down the drain because of the coronavirus. And we had uh, a only one plan. That plan was to stay home. And we actually thought of inviting our family of Papa's house to come and do a barbecue and throw some nice different, you know, different state cuisine. My friend, my brother from Nagaland, he cooks amazing naga pork and people from different parts of the states, uh, they bring their food and we used to have celebration. That was our idea. But what happened was uh, we just, we had uh, just us as family. We cooked some mutton and we ate and we shared the food with our staff and uh, I was just looking back 10 years of our life. I remember uh, on the 21st of March, it was a spring day in Spain and the uncle of my wife was preaching for 45 minutes. I didn't listen to any of this teaching. Let me tell you this. I make a confession. This is my joke for you today. I didn't make, I didn't listen any of the teaching. The only one thing I listened was, he was keep on saying, the two shall become one. The two shall become one. Let me tell you, it took us two years to find out which one. And I got an advice from my friend. He told me this, do you want a happy married life or you want to be correct all the time? And I said, I want to be happy married life. If you want to be a happy married life, you need to learn these four beautiful words. It's called, it's my fault. Are you singles? Are you taking notes? Yeah. Patrick is taking notes. And some married brothers, they are saying amen under their tongue. They can't say louder, but I understand your feeling. The magic word is this. Are you ready? The magic word is this. It's called, Yes, darling. And I tell you, it works all the time. Regardless of any climate, regardless of all circumstances, it works. But anyway, guys, that's my joke of the day. Uh, but amazingly, I'm so blessed to be married to this most beautiful girl on planet Earth. And the way God provided this precious girl in my life to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. We came with two suitcases to this nation. God said to us, go back to India and I want to give you a people that will call me as their papa. And that's the beginning of all this. And God has opened miraculous doors, took us to more than 100 countries to preach the gospel and the ministries that's going around in the city, serving the homeless, taking kids uh, uh, from the challenging neighborhoods, giving them education and uh, starting a church where we could share the love of the Father in a tangible way. I tell you, God is faithful. Amen. And uh, I don't know about you. I heard this guy called Leonard Ravenhill. Maybe some of you know he's from the previous century. But he was one of the men God used to bring revival and prayer. And he wrote a lot of books on prayer. And he said this so beautifully. He said, men gives advice, but God gives guidance. 
<laughs> Look at someone and say, you can only give me advice. <laughs> but God gives me guidance. Amen. That doesn't mean God cannot speak through men. God can speak. Even this morning, God will speak through me. And I believe that. But most importantly, the revealed will of God is in the word of God. Amen. So, we're going to dig into the word. Are you ready, church? Lift up your Bible and say this after me. Lord Jesus, influence me this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, even though we are different parts of the world, different parts of the states, different parts in the city, we are just scattered all over, but we are still united as one body in spirit. So I pray you will unlock and you will enlighten our eyes of understanding to know the hidden truth that you will speak to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn your Bible to one of the most interesting Psalms that we need to dwell in this particular time. It's Psalms 91. Psalms 91. And uh, there is a debate goes around in the Psalms who wrote. It's David or Moses. It does not have a title. Who wrote uh, many scholars acknowledge Moses wrote the psalm. It is a beautiful psalm. And I want to take some time to unlock the psalm and talk about what God is going to do in and through uh, our lives. Okay? Psalms 91. And I just want you to know this. This psalm is not a magic psalm. This psalm is not a psalm that when you are in crisis, you just go and take this. Listen. In Jesus, there is no such thing called magic. There is no such thing called mandra. There is no such thing called formula. There is no such thing called you can just take some word, put it on your circumstance and let it work on it. No, it's not going to work like that. This psalm is for those, it says there very clearly, we're going to go back into that and we're going to read this and... We're going to take some few minutes to read the psalm. So the first verse, it goes on like this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I want to challenge you guys to say this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. We talked about this. Actually, we had a staff devotion and uh, I had a privilege of sharing this. I felt in my heart to share the same uh, word to you this morning. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. It does not say he who visits. It does not say he who visits. It does not say he who comes and goes. Or it does not say he who just uh, spectators like visitors. He who dwells. I want to ask you this question. We are in a very crucial time. As a church, as a nation, we are fighting this invisible enemy. We don't know, you know, where this enemy is located. <laughs> we are scared even to connect with people. And everybody is feeling scared even to say hello to one another. Because people are worried where is this virus is going to hit them. We try our best. And I tell you, my friends few years ago or even few weeks ago if you sneeze people would be like god bless you they will say but today 
if you sneeze you can get beaten up there was a guy he sneezed in one particular state in our nation he got beaten up trashed so badly i want to challenge you we are living in a very crazy times in a very crazy times but i want to ask you this to to think about this what if if the church of jesus christ takes the role that christ intended to be remember every time when the catastrophe hit church was always a hope a healing a lighthouse in the midst of darkness remember the black death millions literally millions died what happened church started hospitals remember that church started hospitals remember the perfume industry was started just after the black plague perfume industry how many of you like perfume one of the things the favorite thing for me to do when i travel in the air going through airports is to that duty free area where i go and stand and take a shower on the perfume that's something i love to do even though if i don't buy it 90% i don't buy it i get gifts most of the time but it's something that i cherish doing so beautiful things happen fashion industry you know many things like the feudalism was abolished so many things middle class was raised and and so many good things happen in the midst of bad things one of the beautiful thing is church was a lighthouse my friends we have an opportunity either to be a lighthouse a hope center in the midst of chaos or shrink back and go with the same spirit that is dominating the nations of the world that's why the bible says in romans chapter 12 it says so beautifully do not be conformed to the patterns of the world but be transformed into by renewing of your mind according to the word i want to challenge you this morning are you a conformist or a transformist so this verse it says he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty i want to invite you if you have been a visitor stop visiting take time to dwell in the presence of god if you are taking notes write this down i have said this a million time in papa's house i'm going to say this again time spent with god is never a waste of time come on somebody look at someone and say the time you spend with god is not going to be waste amen so he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty what is the rest rest is not just something that you do when you are tired rest is a person rest is jesus rest that comes from jesus produces life rest is not doing nothing you know most men stand sit before the tv i don't know what do you do you flip the channels and in half an hour you have flipped 300 channels and your wife goes nuts can you stay with one channel why because man in the mankind human beings in the human beings man is the only one who can actually go blank while he is watching something and that's what he is doing 
So that's not what rest is. Rest actually means that your conscience of this person of Jesus' life is in your life. And how do you do that? This does not come by just having a five-minute quick time fix with the Lord. This comes with constant touch with the Holy Spirit. We talked about it last week, about the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, we had this outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. The outer court, you talked about the two things. The beautiful altar. The altar represents the sacrifice of Jesus. Then it comes to a place of labor. The labor talks about the washing of blood and water. It talks about the salvation, the baptism. Then you come into the holy place. You find the, the lampstand on the left, on the right side, the showbread. And what is the lampstand? It talks about the word of God, renewing your mind through the word of God. And then you find the showbread, which tells you that the... God's body is broken for every single emotions of your life. In the center of that holy place, there is an incense, the altar of incense. In the first altar, Christ died. In this altar, your life is poured as an incense. That means you are saying, God, my will, I will use it to do your will. And as you enter into the Holy of Holies, you'll find the Ark of the Covenant. And the only thing you can do in the Holy of Holies is to say, Holy, Holy, Holy. What do you do there? You are just amazed by the covenant-keeping God. You are just amazed by what God can do. And what is in the Ark of the Covenant? Aaron's bud. What it talks about? The authority of Jesus. That is the Aaron's bud. Then you'll find manna. What is the manna? The manna talks about God is our provider. People are going nuts in the West. People are panicking and there is no toilet paper. Thank God we are in India. <laughs> we no need toilet paper, brother. Hallelujah. Yes. So, people are going nuts. So, you have this in the Ark of the Covenant. You will find those three things. Aaron's bed that talks about the true authority lies in Jesus. The word of God becomes your authority. The name of Jesus becomes your authority. And then you will find this manna which is God is my provider. And then you'll find these ten tablets. What are the ten tablets? It is the Holy Spirit that helps you to fulfill His work in your life. Let me tell you, if you don't embrace the life of Christ in this season, one beautiful woman of God said this to me, and she said, we are going through this shaking time as a church. And if we are not rooted in Christ... Let me tell you guys, we will be going through very challenging times ahead of us. But if you are rooted in Christ, if you have taken the Almighty as your dwelling place, I tell you, you will find rest in your soul. Put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, I repent. I repent for visiting you. I want you to be my rest. I want you to be my rest. I can't rest just sitting in front of the TV. Come on, church. I can rest in your presence. I can rest in your presence. Now look, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, when you make God is your dwelling place, 
Christ becomes your life and your rest. Out of that life, now you can boldly say, what can you say? I will say that the Lord is my refuge. What is a refuge? Refuge is someone who's running out from a crisis into a place of shelter. He's coming out from a very dangerous place into a place of shelter. Now he's saying, because God is my dwelling place, because Christ is my life, Christ has become my rest, now I can boldly say, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. You know, the Jericho walls, people say they are double-layered walls. There was an outer wall and an inner wall. And the walls were so thick, they would have even chariots can round on the walls. Can you imagine? It's not the wall like Velour Fort wall. I mean, it's pretty thick Velour Fort wall. But Jericho wall was massive, magnanimous. But you know, remember, this is what the Lord is saying. If you have chosen me, your dwelling place. If you have chosen me as your life, you can say this boldly. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. Come on. Come on. This is the proclamation God wants to do this in your life. He is. He's saying, I am, I am your fortress. I am your refuge. In God, I'll put my trust. I don't know, guys. Where you put your trust? People said, I was watching BBC on the other day and this guy was talking about the financial stock market and he said, in 2012, the stocks they had and the stocks in 2020, the stocks of 2020 came low to the level of 2012. And he said, in eight years, investment all vanished in a couple of days. And he gave a number which I have no clue how many zeros are. $500 billion all wiped away in the matter of few days. Where is your trust? Where is your trust? Is your trust in your bank balance? Is your trust in your house? Is your trust in your property? Is your trust in your, in your cupboards? That your pantry is full of food? Where is your trust in your cars? Where is your trust? My friends, I tell you, one day those things will boom. Go away. And then, if you have never made Christ as your life, if you have never made Christ as your dwelling place, if you have never made Jesus as your resting place, I tell you, you will never find refuge, you will never find fortress, you will never find trust in those material things. I want you to do one thing. When the church is over, I want you to do this. When the church is over, as your family, I want you to do this. I want you to take out your wallets. Put all the cards on the floor. Take out the property documents. Take out your jewelry. Everything on the floor. Okay? Go to the kitchen. And put your hands on the kitchen. After this. And you say this. Lord, all these things, I don't put my trust. These things can go anytime. Anytime it can vanish. My trust is in the Lord. This is my question for you guys. This is my question. Are you ready? This is my question. There was a lady. She was a widow. And this prophet called Elisha, he visited this lady. And this lady said, my husband was one of your prophets. He worked with you. But he lost everything and there is a great debt we have. The debtors are coming to take me. And my son, what shall I do? 
And this is what the prophet said. What do you have? He, she said, I have a jar and I have just a little oil in the jar. And that's it. And the prophet said, go and get all the jars from the neighbors. Keep pouring it. You know the story, how it multiplied. This is not a story for prosperity. This is a story for biblical alignment. <laughs> People have misquoted this. I want to tell you this. This is a story for biblical alignment. I want to ask you this question. Do you rather trust in the, in the bank balance, in your jewelries, in your properties, in the scooters, cars, or in the bonds, whatever you have, savings, whatever you are, or you're going to trust in the unlimited supply of this little oil and the jar. Which one are you going to choose? I tell you, my friends, God dealt with us. That's why I'm telling this with boldly, with authority in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you this. Trust in the unlimited supply. That's why I say this. If you have dwelt in the shelter of the Most High, if Christ become your life, he, you can say, God, you are my fortress. You are my refuge. You are the one that I trust. Look at this verse, third one. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge and his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Look at the verse. Under his wings. You know what that means? You know what does it mean? That you choose to lay low. The church, I'm prophesying this in the name of Jesus. There is a season coming now in the church. The church will lay low. But laying low does not mean we are invisible. Laying low means we are invincible in the presence of God. Why? Because we are covered by the presence of God. We are covered by the presence of God. Remember when there was chaos going around in the nation of Egypt? The children of Israel were covered by the blood. What happened? What did the children of Israel do? They went under the roof. They went under into their homes because the plague was killing, but the presence of God was protecting them. I want to encourage you. Listen, this is not the time for you to just do bambalela, jump up and down. This is the time for you to make Christ as your life. This is the time to you come under the wings of the Almighty. You say, God, I am tired of running here and there. You know, this is the time the church will stop doing church and being church. Amen. Come on. I'm preaching good. Say amen. This is the time the church will not be doing church. We've been doing so many activities. We kept the church believers busy. Everywhere people were busy. Where are you going? Bible study. Going this. Going there. But this is a time the church is coming under the wings of the Almighty. And He is going to be our refuge. Amen. Let me tell you guys. I repent of my activities. Activities does not mean you accomplished anything. Activities just makes, makes your calendar busy. But that's it. But doesn't mean you have accomplished everything. Let me tell you, all those works that is made out of straw, hay and stubble, all will burn. The only the precious things will stay. And church, this is the season God is refining us. He is molding us into a place where He is refining us to be a place where we will be that pure 
sacrifice that is so pleasing, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Amen. Look at this verse 4. You will not fear of the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Where are you right now? You are under the wings. When you are under the wings, this is the consequence of that. You will not fear of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, a ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You know, when we read the word wicked, we always think it either Chinggis Khan or Adolf Hitler or Haifer or some weird monstrous dictator. You know what is a wicked? Let me tell you this. This is going to shock you. A wicked is a person who don't have Jesus as a Lord over their lives. That's shocking, isn't it? That's shocking. It should shock us. Why? Because wicked is not someone who is like a Chinggis Khan or Adolf Hitler or some, you know, some monstrous dictator. A wicked person has said, I choose my life under my lordship, not on your lordship. This is the consequence of those wicked person. I want to challenge you. Are you making Jesus your lord? You know what is Jesus your Lord? Jesus your Lord does not mean you can do his work and your work together. It doesn't work. If Jesus your Lord means you die, Christ becomes your life. You renounced your rights, Christ becomes. His rights, his goal becomes your life. And I tell you guys, this is the time the church will be tested. I tell you, this is where God is going to prune the church. If you believed in claiming the promises, I claim the promise like this little boy who claimed the bicycle. He asked his mom, Mom, I need a bike. Mom said, pray. He turned the television and the pastor was claiming. He said, I claim also the bike. He prayed for a week, no answer. He goes to his mom and he says, Mom, I need a bike. Mom said, pray again. He thought something wrong with his prayer. He flicked another channel and the pastor was saying, not my will, your will be done. <laughs> he goes again and prays, not my will, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. Nothing happened. Then he goes to his mom again and he says, mom, I need a bike. Mom said, keep praying. Then he found his own way. On the kitchen counter, mom had a statue of Mary. He snatched the statue of Mary, goes to his room, shove it under the carpet, and he said to Jesus, Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, give me a bike. That's what happens when we don't know how to pray. We take here and there. We take here. We mimic somebody. We try to do some words. We say, we change our voice modulation. We try to take some scripture out of context. Let me tell you, those things all will fade one day. But if you make Christ as your life, if Christ become your life, I tell you, Christ will be the hope of glory. Amen. He's going to be your hope of glory. What is glory? Glory is the mind of God. His mind will be your hope. How many of you want your mind? His mind. Amen. When I joined missions and I came back, my parents said, Oh, what's you going to do? And I said to them, You know what? I'm continuing to be in missions. And how much are they going to pay you? I said, 
they're not going to pay me uh, actually i have to pay there and uh, my dad i still remember he said they brainwashed you i said to him i think you should thank god that my brain was washed because if you know what was in my brain you would not be saying brainwashed i am so thankful god washed my brain amen so this is what it says if you are under his wings what happens you will observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked but let me tell you this this is in the old covenant but in the new covenant god takes us even further it's not just looking at someone and say i am under the almighty's wing for me nothing is going to happen you going to rot no now it is our responsibility church has a responsibility to be a lighthouse a hope and say my friend you've been running here and there i was just where you are come under the presence come under the presence come under the presence of the almighty so you'll find refuge let me tell you i prophesy over you as you're watching this you will be a hope house for those people around you you will be a lighthouse for the people around you the church is going through a moment where christ who are people who have embraced christ will become a lighthouse in the midst of chaos but i tell you the moment will come when you don't embrace christ and only the cut and paste theology and whatever you feels good you take it and you kind of go there is going to be a time will come you will be questioning your own faith that's why the bible says somewhere here i can't remember exactly right now many will be deceived in the last days why because they have never put their hope and their life in christ look at this if you make the most high your dwelling again verse 9 even the lord who is my refuge then circle that word then no harm will befall you no disaster will come near your tent let me tell you this i want to make this very clear being a christian does not mean you are harm proof being a christian does not mean you will not go through anything no trouble being a christian means if enemy touches you he has to first cross the line of jesus to come closer and if he has allowed something in your life it is only for one purpose to god brings the glory out of that and i tell you sometimes many christians believe this if i am in christ no sickness if i am in christ no pain if i am in christ there is no suffering if i am in christ there is let me tell you this the one we are dwelling in him he gone through everything so we are not embracing suffering but we are embracing christ who endured the suffering and overcome the suffering amen so this is what it says if you make the most high your dwelling place even the lord who is my refuge then no harm will befall you no disaster what does that mean it it basically means christ has the ultimate say amen christ as the ultimate say as i am talking to you right now one of my wife's dear friend in spain she runs a ministry called rescue mission she's one of the leaders in that nation she just gave birth to a baby the baby and her both of them are infected by coronavirus 
I want you to lift up your hands and pray 30 seconds. The Christ will be their life. Father, in Jesus' name, I bring this daughter of yours. I pray that you will bring healing and restoration. Let the life of Jesus will be manifested and you will bring glory in this time, Father. Hallelujah. Let me tell you guys, this verse says, He commanded His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Listen, our duty is not to command the angels. A lot of people say, I'm going to command the angels this and this. No, 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 no. This is what it says. He commanded His angels to concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That means there is something called sovereignty. I don't know whether you believe this. If you don't believe, start believing this. There is something called sovereign, divine sovereignty. When you choose to walk in the presence of God, when you choose kingdom, not religion, when you choose Christ, not Christianity, when you choose life, not something you do, when you choose being in the presence, not doing something, what happens? There is a command from the Lord to the angels. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Let me tell you, many years ago, this happened as a true story. I went to Brazil to share the gospel. I arrived to the airport, Sao Paulo. And I need to take another flight, which is a three hours flight or 48 hours by bus to the northeastern city called Fortaleza. I didn't have money. All I had was $100 in my pocket. And I need to buy a ticket that cost triple the money that I had. And there was a guy who came. He talked to me in Portuguese. That time I didn't have a clue what the heck, no words. All I know was bon dia and obrigado, which means good morning and thank you. And that's it. And... And I remember he grabbed me to a bar, I mean coffee shop. He took one of those tissue papers and, and he wrote down, how much you have? Dollar sign. I said, 100. Where you are going? To which place? I wrote down Fortaleza. He grabbed my hand, went to the counter, bought me a ticket. He, the ticket is tomorrow, for tomorrow to travel. And then he bought me a hotel voucher. And he said like this, and he's disappeared. I never saw him again. Let me tell you this. The sovereign hand of God comes to you in the moment when you say, Christ has become my life. When Christ becomes your life, he commands his angels to guard you. And I came back and I told the story to my leader and he looked at me and he said, you had a visitation of an angel. And I do believe this. And the angel looked very weird angel. You know, I want to challenge you. Sometimes we ignore the supernatural. Why? Because we are so sucked up with this worldly stuff. I want to challenge you. Say, God, every day, I want you to be my life. I want to dwell in your presence. You know, that's the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray constantly. Look at this verse, verse 14. Because he loves me, Says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, because he acknowledges my name. The word acknowledge, circle that word, acknowledges. What is acknowledge? Basically, you make Jesus your complete life. 
you 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 don't you don't acknowledge him when you feel good you don't acknowledge him when everything goes well you don't acknowledge him when you got a promotion you don't acknowledge him when things were going smooth when your daughters and your in your sons they are they are having a good time you acknowledge him when when even in the moment like david says even though i walk through the valley of shadow of death we can say even though i walk through the valley of coronavirus i fear no evil because his rod and his staff comforts me you know what is a rod and a staff there's two things about a rod rod is for correction staff is for provision the shepherds have these two things rod they bring the sheep into alignment to go straight forward staff is to provide for the sheep hello say this after me even when i walk through the valley of coronavirus i fear no evil because his rod and his staff comforts me i mean look at this he will call upon me who the one who dwells in the presence of god he will i will answer him i will be with him in trouble i will deliver him and honor him with long life i will satisfy him and show him my salvation church i want to tell you this we are about to close and i want to tell you this the church in a very crucial time that we can be a lighthouse if we choose to walk in the ways of god i want to read one scripture to you and then i want to give you a couple of points and we will run quickly ephesians chapter 4 this is a beautiful chapter turn with me ephesians ephesians is right after matthew before revelation ephesians chapter 4 my humor is very dry i can't even hear one single laughter <laughs> i'm going to laugh myself <laughs> good joke charles all right look at this ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 look at this verse it was he who gave who was he it was jesus who gave some to be apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers this is a fivefold apostles pastors prophets evangelists pastors and teachers this fivefold look at this next verse look at this verse next verse to prepare god's people for works of service listen if the church role is not equipping the church members what we have done is we have taken church into a place of event and you have turned people worshipers into spectators that's what happens many people could not worship the lord they say oh no no church i cannot go to church listen to me i want to encourage you church is not to entertain you church is to equip you church is to equip you and what's my role as your pastor to equip you what is to equip you for look at this that they may be built up i don't know whether you had breakfast this morning i had my oats why because i need to be built up look at this to until we reach the unity in faith in the knowledge of the son of god amen so what does that mean in other words to build up in such a way that christ life will be made visible to those don't who have his life today sadly this is a sad statement i'm going to make sadly church has become a spectator 
club. We come, we listen to one man, brings out this charismatic teaching, and some few people giving their excellent gifts, and we listen, we take notes, and we move back. And I tell you, God divinely intervention. This is a Kairos time. So what I want to challenge you, we're going to sing one beautiful song. It's a blessing song we're going to sing and we're going to bless you in Jesus' name. But don't turn off the YouTube and then go back something and turn some other channel on and then watch something. Don't back. You stay there as a family. Talk about what it means to dwell in the presence of God. And if you have repent, if you want to repent, repent and ask yourself, am I building one another? Don't just... Go back into normal. That's called split thinking. The Greeks had that split thinking. That's why we have this sacred, secular mentality. Sunday is holy. Monday is not holy. Christian is holy. Non-Christian is not holy. Pastor is holy. Uh, you know, nurse is not holy. We just made this thing like this. I want to challenge you. Look at this verse. To prepare God's people to work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach Unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. My church, I want to tell you this. As your pastor, my prayer is not for you to be entertained on Sunday morning. My prayer that you will walk in the maturity of the full measure of Christ in your life. That requires time, that requires commitment, that requires discipleship, that requires humility. I tell you this, it's important. So don't just shut it off, move forward somewhere. Go back, ask yourself, am I maturing in Christ? Am I maturing? Am I helping someone to mature in Christ? Am I be able to witness Christ to others? Am I able to sh share the gospel to others? If we don't, I think we are in a very dangerous time. I'm telling you. We will be hitting a ceiling where we don't know how to even live because everything looks not real to us. But when Christ becomes our dwelling, Christ becomes our rest, Christ becomes our life, we will walk in the fullness of the maturity of Christ and we will be a hope in the midst of hopelessness. Amen? amen. Come on church, say amen. amen. I want you to remember this. Remember, what you are going through is temporary. This shall pass. What you are going through is temporary. Number two, remember, not everything you hear is true. I want to challenge you. Please stop hearing only the media and the WhatsApp stuff forwards. Lord, I pray that you will give wisdom for people to hear what you want to hear. Remember, not everything what you hear is true. And remember, what you go through is temporary. Number three, I want to quickly go through this. Number three, remember that your focus must be on the unchanging, not on the changing. Your focus must be on the unchanging. This is the time to remember that. And number five, remember no matter what I go through, my daddy God is with me right now. Amen. 
no matter what i go through my daddy god is right now with me and this is the last one remember that this is not the end of the story i have read the last book of the bible we this is what it says in revelations 21:4 then the lord will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death no more mourning or crying or pain of the old order of things will pass away this is not the end of the story we have read the last book christians we must be the people of hope because we have seen one day the promise giver the way maker the light in the darkness have already conquered this life of ours <laughs>